This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Once again, I'd like to thank uh, Illinois Department of Transportation for leaving uh, the Kennedy Expressway, an unblemished winter wonderland this morning for uh, my drive to work. Uh, yeah. Really, really enjoyable. It, it made it just, me feel like a kid again, like I wasn't in a sedan, I was in a toboggan just uh, sliding around uh, in between other toboggans. Where, where do our tax dollars go? I don't. And then the Jane Addams was a hot mess. It, was, it reminded me of mashed potatoes, you know, that we had on Thanksgiving yeah. because there was no lanes to find and people were just sliding all over. I saw a spin out right next to you so and so, uh, I was worried. You're, you were close to death there, Dan, and thank so, God. God was watching over you. It's the city that works, and uh, since I cheated death this morning, I'm not going to take you up on that offer for the hot pocket <laughs> in the kitchenette. I don't know if you're doing a Jim Gaffigan routine or what. No, who, I have. Who eats hot pockets? My Eli or Peyton and Eli love hot pockets, but now they're they're moved on. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. So I just like grown up. I just yeah. ate a hot pocket in a crisper sleeve. Um, I haven't done that since the '90s. Yeah. And it's so far so good. I'm. It's all right. We'll put the. We'll do a. <laughs> non-emergency number to the local hospital okay. just to have Alexian Brothers on standby uh-huh. for when that hits your, hits your system. Uh, all right. Uh, yesterday, uh, Alan Dershowitz, famed constitutional lawyer, Harvard professor, Alan Dershowitz, friend of the show. Yeah, I respect him. He made uh, news yesterday. He's been uh, an equal opportunity critic, which is why um, he is deserving of some respect. He's looked at uh, his interpretation of the Constitution when it comes to matters of special counsel and others. Uh, He said uh, yesterday uh, what feels to be the case, which is the Mueller report is coming in the not too distant future. And here's the impact Dershowitz thinks it will have on the Trump presidency. That's an awful lot of people tied to the president providing evidence. It is. And I think the report is going to be devastating to the president. And I know that the president's team is already working on a response to the report. And so at some point, when the report's made public, and that's a very hard question considering the new attorney general who has the authority to decide when and under what circumstance to make it public, it will be made public probably with a response alongside. The president will say, ah, look, it's political. There's their account and there's our account. And then the American public will have to judge the credibility. For you to say it's devastating is really something, it's something. It, it is a little something. Uh, it is really something, particularly when what we know to this point is, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Papadopoulos is yeah. going to go serve his two-week sentence, and I mean, Manafort is awaiting trial. This rogues gallery of— well, it's, I call it the land of misfit toys, these clowns. Well, the, you know, these sort of um, uh, yeah, unsavory operators and low-level operatives, this all— is going to be cobbled together by Mueller into something that's politically devastating, not legally. Dershowitz made uh, clear to make that distinction. Hmm. I mean, I guess he's got to have some kind of, uh, he's got to make it somewhat politically valuable. Otherwise, what has the last 18 months been about? But it just doesn't seem like the um, the requisite uh, raw material is there for Mueller at this point. But Maybe uh, Dershowitz knows something we don't. I doubt he knows something Andy McCarthy doesn't. So let's get his view on it. Andy McCarthy, former chief assistant U.S. attorney in Manhattan, contributing editor at National Review. Andy, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Good morning. Morning. So uh, what about uh, Dershowitz's pronouncement on the forthcoming 
Mueller report? Well, he may be right, but I think, you know, this goes to a question um, that I've been trying to raise for the last couple of months, which is, what is Mueller's job? And I think, you know, when you define his job, then you should define his report. And what I mean by that is, if he is a federal prosecutor, which is what I think he is, and for all the uh, hoopla about the special counsel's office, in the chain of command, he's actually not even of the rank of a United States attorney. He's not, uh, you know, confirmed by the Senate. He's not a principal officer. He's he basically answers to the Justice Department in the chain of command. Um, this is to distinguish him from, say, being counsel to a congressional impeachment committee, or you know, being Bob Woodward writing a book about, you know, what his views are of the president's fitness to be president. A federal prosecutor's job in an investigation is basically one thing. There's enough evidence to charge or there isn't. And if there's not enough evidence to charge, what the Justice Department typically does is you decline prosecution. Uh, You give a short explanation for why you're declining prosecution on the charges that you're authorized to investigate, and you put the file to bed because if you remember uh, with respect to James Comey, the former FBI director, uh, and Hillary Clinton, one of the big things that Comey was criticized for, and in fact that uh, Rod Rosenstein, the current deputy attorney general, uh, cited him for in writing that memorandum that was used to justify uh, his his ouster, uh, is that you're not supposed to talk about the evidence about uncharged people in investigation. If the government has enough evidence, it files charges. If it doesn't, it's not supposed to speak publicly about the charges. So I think, you know, if you consider Mueller to be a federal prosecutor, his report should be very narrow. If he's got charges, he should bring them. If he doesn't have charges, then uh, he should give a short explanation for why uh, why he's declining on the couple of charges that he's authorized to investigate and call it a day, I, I feel like Dershowitz does that, uh, that that's not what's going to happen here. Well, the acting attorney general, Matt Whitaker, could he, I mean, obviously he's going to see the report and read the report. Can he just sit on it? Well, I, I think he'd have a hard time completely sitting on it, Amy, but he certainly could put out simply the parts that explain, you know, this is why charges are brought uh, and this is why they're not. The problem with that is it will heighten in the public mind the importance of the of the parts of the report that are that are unseen, uh, which of course the public will clamor for, and the Democrats in Congress will subpoena the report, so it, it will ratchet up the pressure on the White House to to disclose the whole thing. With, so with, the idea is they, not not to let Mueller go off and write his own report. That the, the idea would be for the guy who's supervising him in the Justice Department to tell him the format that the report should take, you know, not to have this squabble over unseen and unredacted un, uh, parts of it. Well, and, and Dershowitz mentioned as well, he expects that, uh, right, the report will be accompanied, the release of the report will be accompanied with a prepared White House response to it to try and, uh, right. you know, give both sides of the story or both perspectives at the same time. Yeah, well, that's right. When you when you give a uh, one-sided report, you, normally in in litigation in, in criminal uh, cases in the federal system, 
what happens is the grand jury files an indictment, and then the defendant has a chance to defend himself in court with counsel and under all the due process rules. If the grand jury does not indict, usually you hear nothing. Uh, so it's really not fair to have a situation where they're not going to charge you so you don't have the right to defend yourself in court, but they're going to say nasty things about you uh, that hurt you politically rather than legally, and you don't have an opportunity for uh, you know your own side of the story. So I guess that's the structure that they're trying to come up with. Just in terms of your sense of where this is at, it seems like the conventional wisdom is this report is going to be coming soon. The investigation is going to wrap up in the relatively near term um, with Trump providing his answers, written answers to Mueller questions last week. And, uh, you know, sort of the stories about Jerome Corsi negotiating a plea deal and Roger Stone, but it's the same people. It doesn't seem like the circle is expanding much. It's the same players that are just moving towards some kind of conclusion uh, with respect to their individual participation or the adjudication of their participation in the campaign. Uh, is that your sense as well, that there's not much more for Mueller to do here other than finish out uh, the prosecutions that he's opened? Yeah, Dan, it is. In fact, I don't even think he's going to finish out the prosecutions he's opened. I think, um, you know, those cases against the Russians, for example, which are never those are just right. those indictments, I think, are just uh, uh, publicity stunts more than anything else. There's no expectation that anyone's actually going to be charged or tried on those. Uh, and the cases that he's brought against, for example, Flynn and Manafort uh, and, and others, as uh, Papadopoulos, who you just mentioned, those cases are either heading for sentencing in the very near future, or people are actually, like Papadopoulos, I guess, is starting a sentence uh, today. Mm -hmm. um, so usually in an investigation, if you have witnesses who are cooperating, uh, you don't let them get sentenced until you're at the end of the investigation. You you wait until they've testified and they've given the full extent of their cooperation. So the fact that he's letting them be sentenced certainly strongly sin signals that we're reaching the end here. And Papadopoulos, I mean, he, you know, he begins his he's surrendering at a Wisconsin correctional facility today for that 14-day prison sentence. He tried to get it delayed, but the judge said, you know, too late. Sorry. What exactly was his role I've heard that he was an errand boy, and then they others describe him as a campaign advisor. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't know what the, I don't know that there were campaign advisors to speak of uh, formally in the Trump campaign. It was a very kind of uh, loosey goosey, chaotic arrangement, but for a core bunch of advisors who were around him. Uh, and I think you know you had these people who were hangers on, who they. The campaign put out that they were advisors, but I think that was more because the public expected Trump to have advisors than that they were actually doing much in the way of advising. I don't think pa if Papadopoulos, Papadopoulos to me is the most interesting case uh, and telltale case of all of the people who've come up in this, because if you look at the factual statement, Amy, that that uh, that Mueller filed when Papadopoulos pled guilty, collusion pours off every page of the the factual statement, you know, he's meeting with guys who supposedly have contacts with the Kremlin. They're trying to arrange meetings that never happened between Trump and Putin. They're talking about emails, but they're not clear about whether they're talking about the uh, the emails that Hillary Clinton deleted or the emails that got hacked. Uh, but the point is, 
there's no evidence that, that Papadopoulos ever got any emails or knew where the emails were coming from. And in the end, after all of that heavy breathing, what does Mueller plead him guilty to? Lying. False Just, statement yeah, to right. an FBI agent yeah. about the timing of a meeting. Yeah, exactly. Much uh, ado about nothing. I wanted to get your take on uh, the uh, other side of the House, if you will, uh, the uh, House Judiciary Committee, Bob Goodlatte, uh, trying to uh, maximize his remaining days as chairman of that committee, issuing subpoenas for Comey and Lynch per the investigation into Justice Department decision-making in 2016. Comey saying, uh, nope, not going to do that, um, only, only would agree to public testimony. Trey Gowdy, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, former prosecutor, suggesting the way we should do it is have a taped deposition uh, and then re- with Comey and then release the entirety of the tape so people can see questions and answer over an extended period of time in context rather than this dog and pony show of different members of Congress each getting five minutes at the wheel to try and get to the heart of 17 months worth of decision making. What's your take on the subpoenas and uh, Gowdy's recommendation in terms of the Republican approach that should be taken? Yeah, I think it would have been a lot more interesting a couple of more, you know, a couple of months ago. Yeah, uh, I think now this is just all post midterm election posturing by Gowdy and everyone else. Uh, I don't know why Comey, if Comey has the capacity, which he does, to drag his feet for legal reasons. Why would he agree to anything at this point when the Democrats are going to take the committee over? There's only a finite number of legislative days left, so it's not like he's got to drag his feet for months and months. He's got to drag his feet for a few days, and then the Democrats take over. Why would he agree to do anything in the meantime? Yeah, that's um, I'll, that's a rhetorical question with an obvious answer. Uh, Andy McCarthy, former chief assistant U.S. attorney in Manhattan, contributing editor at National Review, National Review. Dot com. You can always find his musings on these important topics. Andy, thanks for joining us as always. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. You too. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro 